Good morning. One more announcement. Um, also on our information table, we're going to have a quick missions introduction meeting this Tuesday, 10 a.m. I know that's tough for you, some of you, so hear me out. Uh, some people have expressed some interest in mission and doing missions locally and globally, and some of those folk have very open schedules. Some of them are retired, some of them are widowed and whatnot, and uh, the heart behind having the first meeting is to let them take a hold, right, and run with it. So we're going to get together and pray and do some things. I actually know the high schoolers want to get involved uh, quickly with the project they're looking forward to doing. You'll hear more about that. And then once we decide what this looks like, we'll plan our next meeting for a better time for everyone. So don't be dismayed if you're at work or if you're at school or whatnot. Uh, more information to come. So that if you can make it Tuesday, 10 a.m., <coughs> Josh Futterman, um, no more school, and you'll be here, right? Look at him. He's like, oh, only if the Warriors win? No, we'll still be depressed. Let me pray, and then uh, God has a sense of humor, especially if you're wearing a microphone. I'll hit that after I pray. Father, thank you. Help us both men and women, both dads and moms, both single and married, both everyone. Help us be people who simply say yes or no. And um, unpack that for us today. Give us the grace to see the simplicity of Jesus' teaching and give us the desire to want to live by that from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm talking about words and oaths and integrity. And if you didn't hear it, that was God's grace, but I was short with my wife and the mic was live. So I apologize to her and apologize to you if you heard that. That's not who I am. So that's my fault. Uh, maybe Timmy's just checking me. Right now I got a live mic, a hot mic on CNN or whatever it is. So, babe, I'm sorry. We'll talk more about that later, but... That's what you get with a mic sometimes, right? You are on the platform. As Christians, when we walk, when we walk out of here, when we go do Father's Day family stuff or not, when we go to the farmer's market or school or bank or anywhere in between, we are on a platform. Do you understand that? You are a witness for Christ, good or what? If you claim Christ, you are a witness. That's the double-edged sword. And Jesus, continuing in this Sermon on the Mount, remember it was one sermon, it wasn't broken up over six months like we're doing, because we need to, it was one teaching, he is coming off talking about lust, how human beings have a tendency to crave power, money, and sex, and our cravings cause us, along with us, to objectify people and things and get ahead. That's what lust is. And then last week, we saw marriage and divorce, and how in the culture, it was very common to objectify women and do whatever you want with them and discard them like coffee grounds and start a new pot. And Jesus said, no more. Jesus said, in my kingdom, we don't treat people like that. Jesus ultimately said, men, stop putting women in an impossible position. Don't do it anymore. Make your commitment to them be for what? Life. Remember his disciples said, why on earth would anyone get married? That's the, that's the crux of that whole section. Jesus is making a commentary in the new kingdom, we're married for life. We're not married for three years and two kids and then upgrade. You don't do that, men. And now he begins to go into a section called Os or what we'll call it is integrity. This wasn't a blast on fathers. This is the way the calendar played out. 
Okay, here we go. We heard it, but let's read it again. Matthew 5, 33. And you have heard it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you've sworn. Remember whenever he said, you have heard it said of old, he is reciting the Torah, the Old Testament. In Matthew 5, 20 and 21, Jesus fulfills the Old Testament by heightening the standard. He brings a greater message and meaning, the gospel himself. So then he says this in Matthew 5, 34, but I say to you, this new teaching, this fulfillment, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. That was common. I swear before heaven I'm telling the truth. We'll talk about that in a minute, what that really means. It means you're a liar the other part of the time. That's why, that's what it means. You ever hear someone, let me be honest with you. You want to be a snarky one at work? Okay, if you're going to be honest with me now, what about yesterday? Because if we think that's what we're doing and that's what Jesus is exposing. So we'll get there. Jump the sermon, jump the shark like in Brady Bunch, right? Here we go. Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Literally, you don't know what you're talking about when you swear unto heaven. You don't have the framework to know what heaven and God's throne really is. Because if you did, you wouldn't go there. <laughs> okay? Or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, very common in the day, I swear against the capital city or on the capital city. I swear by Jerusalem. I swear by the great city of San Carlos. That wouldn't go far in our day, right? It is a city of the king, end of verse 35. Verse 36, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Some of us wish we could. We could put L'Oreal out of business, right? The hair product company. Verse 37, let, here it is, what you say simply be yes or no, and we all know this, Proverbs speaks about this, when we use more words than we should, we often get ourselves where we shouldn't. Anybody ever? Okay, you guys be nice. Anybody ever use more words than they should? It rarely ends well. As a lawyer attests to, right? The rest has been trained to be very succinct. Good. So what's going on here? First of all, quickly, if you are summoned to jury duty, as a Christian, you are not forbidden to take an oath to tell the truth. That's not what Jesus is getting at. I don't want you going down to Redwood City going, pastor said I don't have to, and then i got to come bail you out. That's not what we're talking about. We will, I will bail you out, but it will be a long car ride home. That's the point, right? But that's not what's being forbidden. Jesus is going, where's he going? Deeper, as he always does, right? Jesus is reiterating my people who are walking in my kingdom, who are in relationship with me, can be taken at yes or no, that's it. What he is saying is he is urging kingdom citizens, those who have received Christ, who have been forgiven, who are pursuing Jesus, he's urging us not to feel the need to take an oath, because why would we have to? When I tell Russ, yes, Christ's mission for us as a church is for in my 
honesty and integrity, and here it is in my life. Russ goes, that makes sense. Dave said yes or no. Rush shouldn't need to come up and put your hand on the Bible, Dave. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that right now. <laughs> if I come up to you and say, I have this information or I have this story or I have this truth to tell you, and you go, no way. And then I go, I swear on my daughter's life that it's true. What have I just done, really? Think about that. I've made everything I've ever communicated questionable, and that's what Jesus doesn't want us to do. You see what he's done? I really mean it, babe. I swear, Jessica might. Okay, and that's what I was getting at. Let me be honest with you this time. We say things like that. If I'm going to be honest, I used to say that as a preacher, I sh probably shouldn't after reading this, right? But the point at what Jesus is getting at, he doesn't want loopholes, sorry Russ, or lawyer speak to get involved when we communicate with each other, right? Yes and no, and then as we continue on the Sermon on the Mount in it, What's the proof of my words? What's the proof of your words? Your emails? Your text messages? For those of you that are doing it, your Facebook post? And your and my life, right? Ultimately, what Jesus is getting at is he wants our lives to be a validation of what we say. And as we walk in community and relationship with one another, yeah. Jean said it, she'll be there. There's something a little more going on too, so let me try and get there in five minutes. Say it like this. All of our words, saints, are to be spoken unto our oath and pledge to Jesus Christ. Everything we communicate is to be said because we're aligned with Christ and our word is our bond. What's, how is Satan, we could talk about Satan for a long time, not because there's so much about him in the Bible because there's so much misconceptions about him in the church, right? But how is Satan described? Anybody know? One is the accuser, that's what his name literally means, and deceiver. Accuser and deceiver. So he accuses the saints of things that may or may not be true, but ultimately all his accusation is underlined in deceit, lies. Think about that. John 8, 44, I'm just going to read it, you don't have to go there. Jesus is in a spat, a fight with the Pharisees. And they, he accuses them of being aligned with their father, the devil, and they freak out. They go, we, we're, we're clean. We have moms and dads. And he goes, you don't understand what I'm saying. And then John 8, 44, he says this. You are of your father, the devil. Don't worry about that. And then Jesus describes this Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. That's tough. 
And here you go. And does not stand in the truth because the truth is not in him. And here, listen to this. Jesus says, when Satan lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So there is no truth in Satan. He only speaks lies because he is the father of lies. Jesus says Satan, by his very nature, is a deceiver. And then he wants us to tell the truth by simply saying yes or no, always. And there's something going on here. Hang with me a few more scriptures. I want you to see it. You can turn here, Kim, if you get there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. There's an amazing reality that Jesus is called the word of God, right? We've learned that. He is the word of God. Satan is the deceiver who often use words to deceive many people, right? When we lie, most of the time we use words, right, as people. Now in our media age, we can use pictures. But there's something going on here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Everyone go, whew, that's a big statement. I can't comprehend that. Then it says, for all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and visible, thrones, dominions, rulers and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So speaking of Jesus, right? Skip down to verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So we've been learning this. In Jesus, that's Everything, who God is, it's God incarnate as man. And through him to reconcile himself to all things, verse 20, whether on earth or heaven, making peace with the blood of his cross. That's Jesus. That's amazing. People have whole semesters on those five verses in seminary because there's so much to unpack. Paul is speaking of Jesus. Now, real quickly, Kim, John chapter 1, Gospel of John chapter 1. Let me just read it. It'll be there. You guys know this probably. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is above everything. God's created everything for Jesus and through Jesus. And then John describes Jesus as the Word of God. And we don't have to go there, but you guys probably know John 1.14, and the Word became flesh, became a human. Jesus. We know he's talking about Jesus. Now notice this. Kim's going everywhere. Hebrews 11, verse 3, Kim. Hebrews 11, verse 3. The author of Hebrews is pulling his hair out quickly. Jewish Christians are returning to the law and worshiping angels and other things. And the whole time he's saying, don't do that. Jesus is supreme. And this is what he writes in Hebrews 11, 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So to recap, that's my five minute break, I don't want to confuse you. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. Jesus is eternal. He's the actual idea of God come to earth. He is everything 
in which God wanted to reveal himself as a man. Jesus, he's good, he's kind, he's compassionate. He is just, not the way we think sometimes. He's so loving. His mission was to reconcile. His mission was to forgive. And ultimately, Jesus is the absolute truth of God. There is no contradiction in Jesus. And Jesus specifically is called the Word of God. And then Jesus, while on earth, specifically taught you and I about our words. I'm trying to show you a correlation here. Church, our words matter to God. We stand in a very privileged state when we have been given the ability to think, to reason, to read, to understand, to calculate, and then to project words. The fact that I'm speaking from a prepared lesson from the Word of God with hopefully logic and love and reason behind it to you and then sound comes into your ear hearing my words and you can think and reason and communicate is a gift. What I'm getting at, it's on par with creation. I hope you saw that. And then Jesus teaches this gift and says, don't use too many words. Funny from a preacher, right? Don't use too many words. Use them simply. Let your yes be yes, Nancy. She's like, amen. Let your no be no, Carol. She's like, amen. That's it. And don't get caught up in the trap of our day. If you guys have been watching any of the debates or news stories, you can almost win any argument. You know that? Even if you don't believe in the premise. I'm really going to make you guys really snarky now. You know how to win a debate in an argument? Usually, simply study the other side's position better than them and then get a few tricks and tips. And you simply ask questions and try to put a contradiction in the midst and walk away. And Pam's taught it and she goes, yeah, that's pretty, that's how you win. Jesus says, when you speak, speak life. Don't speak like that. Don't speak looking to win. Don't speak with an angle or a mission outside of my gospel, which is what? Come all who would believe for repentance and salvation and walk in Christ. So when we get into it, church, don't always fall into the trap of wanting to have the last word, have the last word with yes or no. Jesus himself said lots of evil usually comes if we go farther than that, right? But pastor, the world is out of control. I'll agree with you. Remember one of the Beatitudes, two of them. We should long for the world to be righteous and just. What's the next one? Do it with mercy. What she's getting at? If you're right without mercy, you might as well be wrong. If you're a little, with, I don't mean deceiving people, hear me, but if you kind of back off to show mercy and grace and try and, try and uh, minister a different way, I think our Lord's pleased with that, right? So words are important to Jesus. Integrity is very important. Four minutes. Why do we lie? 
I'll say it this way. I don't want to call, why do I lie? You ever think about that? If you want to go deep into your heart, uh-oh. Ask yourself, why do you deceive at times? In my own personal life and looking into my heart, sometimes it's like Pandora's box because I see things I don't always want to see. Can I get an amen? It's hard, right? The, the answer to the question this way, there are one million reasons why we lie. There's so many. There's a lot. <laughs> I couldn't list them all up here. We don't have enough PowerPoint. The bulb would burn out, right? One of the reasons I at times, and I'm working on it, and I'm, I'm a recovering hypocrite and liar, we all are, right, is my lustful intentions. And Jesus just taught about that. <laughs> a couple of verses over. We lie and we use many words at times to objectify people or things to get ahead. Jesus dealt with that, church, remember, don't do that. See people as sacred. Don't objectify and use to get ahead. It's futile. It's fleeting. It leads to where? Remember? Gehenna, the trash dump. Not specifically in that passage about eternal life, but your life now. We all know it. You will reap what you... This isn't a guilt message. This is hopefully encouraging. And reflecting on my own life, I've deceived people at times because I'm insecure. And what is insecurity usually laden in? Fear. Oh, if they only knew that I wasn't like that. Or if they only knew how I really was in my own. And I made the mistake three months ago, I won't do it. For all of us who use Instagram and Facebook, don't lie. Face your insecurities even online. Let your yes be yes and no be no because it's so easy to just what? Put up a rosy picture. Just don't put up the picture. Deal with our hearts, right? Christ is honored in that. Because I'm not as popular as some, and there's really popular, I'm not a popular to anybody, but if, I read one horrific story. I wasn't going to bring it up. There was, let me get the school right, Ivy League school, beautiful young girl, had hundreds of thousands of followers, and she basically wrote a letter before she committed suicide of how it was too hard to live up to the pressure to get so many likes online. And that's just a small example of what we do as people. How many basketball fans? Here's the problem. Here's the conclusion. Anybody remember Tim Donahue, the ref? Tim Donahue was an NBA ref. He, in 2007, let me get it right, I don't want to misquote him, resigned from the NBA. Anybody remember why he resigned? Because he bet on games he officiated. That's probably wrong, right, church? <laughs> For many reasons. And this last week, I don't know if some of you caught it, but our local team, the Warriors, are in the finals. And Tim Donahue said, for sure the referees were leaning toward the Cavaliers in the last two games. That's what he said. It don't matter, Tim. You're a liar and a cheat. I don't care what you said. But you see where I'm going with that? And I'm not incriminating Tim Donahue. But once we are people whose yes doesn't mean yes, 
and no doesn't mean no. It doesn't mean we can't come back from that. The grace of God is available. The mercy of God is real. There's restoration and reconciliation. But it takes a long time, as it should. What does Jesus say? Be shrewd as a snake, yet innocent as a dove. Fool me once, shame on... Fool me twice, still shame on you. It's a wrong quote. But the whole point is we need to be discerning people and not be taken away with the, what was it used to be called? The, what was the lottery that used to, whatever, the Ponzi schemes out there. But Tim Donahue has a problem because he's trying to speak the truth now, but he's a convicted cheater. So he might be telling the truth. Am I going to take it as gospel? No way. Let's not get in the Tim Donahue situations in our relationships. If we have a trouble with lying, if we have a trouble with deceit, if we have a trouble with our yes being our yes and our no being our no, no issue, no condemnation for me, make a change, church. Say from this day forward, Lord, help me be a man or woman of integrity and help me let my words matter. And that's it. It's not hard, right, to hear? What is it hard to do? Wake up tomorrow. Wake up tomorrow and keep going. Young folk, I'm glad you were in here. One, we wanted you to be here with your father on Father's Day. But believe it or not, when you remember these words and the words of Christ, they will make an, a, an immediate impact in our lives. We could talk more about what the world says and this and that, but just see the words of the Lord. I hope you're encouraged. Isn't it nice to hear our Lord say, don't mess around with the worldly superstitious stuff. Just say yes or no and walk away. And then as I said for many years, our lives should be an exclamation point, not a question mark, right? If Russ says all the right things and lives like a turkey, Russ can say whatever he wants, but he's still a turkey, right? <laughs> That's literally what the passage means. Isn't that good? Jesus is simple. Let me pray. Please join in fellowship after. If you're a dad and you came a little late or you didn't get one, we have a gift for you. If you're married to a dad that isn't here or know a dad, come see me. We have a few gifts. We want to affirm dads. We want to pray for them and continue to have them lead us in yes and yes and no and no and all of us. Let's pray and we'll be done. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this simple teaching. Thank you for coming against certain things that we do. Things like, I swear on this, or I promise because of this. Let us see the reality that because of your grace and your freedom and the newness of life you provide, we can simply walk and not need to be superstitious or manipulative. Father, help all of our hearts to walk in truth. Help us to see the very fact that your son is the word of God, that that's beautiful and that words matter, and communication matters, and telling the truth is supreme. Help us do that. Again, I thank you for the fathers in the room and the fathers afar. Bless them and keep them. Be gracious to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.